grateful that you've come on the show today to tell us about this process because we must tell these stories. We Hello everyone and welcome back to the Author and Artist Hour with your host Tony Lontis and my gorgeous co-host Kez Wickham St George. Now, we have a guest who would appear to be having technical difficulty getting onto the show today, so we're going to start anyway, and just a reminder, each and every week, Kez and I come on the show and we get to talk, and it's a real privilege to talk to other authors uh, authors and artists on the show each week. Now, if you're listening live to the show on LinkedIn, Facebook, YouTube, or Twitch, we have Payo waiting online to make sure that he provides you with comments, responses, and links to anything that we talk about on the show today. Um, If you miss any of these shows, be sure to catch up on Binge Networks TV USA, the Hero Go TV Networks USA, and the Tony TV channel app available on all LG, Roku, and Samsung smart TVs, also Android and iPhone across the planet. Each week we've been doing a welcome to the country, and it's an important part of an international movement to acknowledge the special and important role Indigenous communities play in the development of a country's cultural identity. So today I want to respectfully acknowledge the people of the Yugamba language region, the traditional owners of the land on which we meet and broadcast, and pay my respect to the elders past and present and all the Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples here today and listening live online. Now, my gorgeous co-host, whom I have great delight in introducing each week, is an international best-selling author in her own right. She's also an author, mentor, a general mentor, and an artist. She volunteers across Western Australia in the state that she lives and does some amazing things, including traditional radio. radio. And she also, as part of her portfolio, does amazing video book reviews on her YouTube channel. And I have the privilege each week of sharing this time with Kez, and I love it. Now, I'm not going to tell you about our guest because we haven't got her live online. So, Kez and I are actually going to do a little bit of an update. Now, last week, we had a wonderful time talking to Kez's movie producer, Sally Newman. And Sally has created a mini movie from the prologue of Kez's latest book. And we had a wonderful conversation about the process of what that looks like. And Kez, I'm wondering if we can just recap on what that process was like for you. And and it sounds relatively simple, but incredibly exciting. So what was that like for you? It started with a conversation, didn't it? It did. I was trying to think back when, um, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, Sally and I met. And we met at a, um, we met four years ago at a women's international celebration, and we were both up for uh, awards. We both didn't get them; someone else did. But we were both there in the room, <laughs> and it was like, um, and I mean, she's got the most beautiful partner as well. So I met them both. 
<clears throat> and we always said we'll catch up for a coffee and it didn't really happen. So when I had the the book, uh, finished my book, Scribe, and I had the prologue and I was mm. editing the prologue myself and then I thought it just came into my head, ring Sally. So I did, we had lunch. Um, Sally's daughter makes the most beautiful, uh, like, food boards, you know. So yes. one of those were brought along and I made my traditional St. George raisin scones. <laughs> which are worldwide famous because <clears throat> sometimes they rise and sometimes they don't. And anyway, we sat there and we, we got the uh, the prologue out and we went through it together, handing that over to her, knowing that she could change some of the dialogue. Now, there's not a lot of dialogue. It's more scenery, but the dialogue. So, therefore, it made the dialogue even more important, even more important, that the words were actually because they described an emotion. And anyone that's read my books knows that I'm right into emotion and how our emotions work. And, uh, yeah, and she said, I'm honoured that you've asked me to do this. And I said, what do you mean? Because it will have to be changed. And I just I just about started to bite my nails. I had it, you can't change it. How are you going to change these things? <laughs> so, yeah, it was, um, it, was, it was like time to hold my breath and think. I, I think... What a lot of us don't do is realise that we have experts to do the job. That's why we ask them to come mm-hmm. in to, to work with us. So me having a hissy fit and saying you can't change anything is completely wrong. She's the expert in filmmaking. I'm the expert in writing books. So, um, and that's the way I had to go about mm-hmm. working with Sally. She she is such a beautiful woman. Mm-hmm. And you have to step back and and look at the whole picture, not just where you're coming from. I had to involve the whole picture. So that's how we started. Uh, and being a and being a senior, I should be wise enough to do this by now. But on the <laughs> other hand, we say we feel it's your baby. This is your baby, and you have to be. I can't. I couldn't just hand it over to anybody. I haven't seen it yet. The movie that will be, um, hopefully, will be showing it in March at uh, one of the retreats at Peel Manor House with MMH. But I can't wait. I just can't wait because I, I trust her implicitly. And she, um, I've been to a couple of her shows at fringe events, the fringe festivals here. Um, and she's hilarious. She really is. That she, everything is tongue in cheek, everything is respectable, but you certainly know what she's saying. And I just think that's really yeah. I actually um I know because because Kez and I have a personal relationship as 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 well as an on screen relationship. I know how difficult it was for you to to let let go and and let her um work within the script. I know that it was um it was challenging for you, but you did it, Kez. You did it. And the other thing that I didn't realise, and I've never thought about this before, that film is a visual mode. And so when you write, um, you write uh, it visually, but you don't always have 
dialogue associated with the visuals that you write about. So mm. a cool, crisp, dark night. Um, that's a visual. It's without mm. the dialogue. But film incorporates the visual and the dialogue. And so yes. that understanding that Sally had to create some dialogue around your the vision and the landscape mm. that you had written about, I thought that was immensely uh, interesting, number one. And how challenging, because she effectively has to capture your vision and how you see it inside your head and what you wrote about and mm. put some dialogue to that. So that's, right. um, it, that, that's a, a, a skill within itself, and it, it appears that Sally is very good at that, kids. What Sally and I did was she didn't add to the dialogue. She was very, very clever um, in all the scenery, that I have going in this movie, and there's a lot like yes. in the middle, and it's a rock in the middle of the ocean. So what are you going to do with yes. it? And yes. I like the chat when it came to me. Let's write about a rock in the middle of the South Pacific Ocean, and there are plenty out there because I've been on one myself. So being on that one rock, um, and that was when I was very very young. It must have stuck in my mind. But Sally has added music which instead of dialogue, you get the music. So music is also emotional as well. So instead of, of wandering the beach and, and hearing funny noises, she's added music. Like you can't – we all know that when you wander the beach, you hear the sand being squeaky, squeaky under your feet, or if it's, if it's volcanic, you'll hear rocks under your feet or pebbles under your feet. You also hear the ocean taking everything away as, as, as the sea comes in and out. Whatever is on the shore will make different sounds. Mm. So if you've got pebbles on the beach, it will make a definite rattling, whooshing sound. If it's just sand, it makes a sign. I had to remember all those things. And then Sally had to add the music. So that's the way we got around it. Kez, did you find yourself going to um, physical places and, and sitting and absorbing the sounds or was that yes. something that Sally took? So you did that as, as well to just sit there and go, okay, what's that sound? That's the, the waves washing ashore. What's that sound? That's the pebbles rubbing together. What's that sound? That's the shells knocking together. Did it give you a deeper sense of um, attachment to the scene and, and the words that you'd written in the first place? I asked Sally to do the filming here at a place called Point Perrin. Yeah. And when you're over here, Tony... I will, yes. take you to point, I will take you to Point Perrin. Um, it's huge, huge, what do I call it, like lava rock, big formations. Yeah. yeah. And you can sit in two or three of the caves there and listen to the ocean. Now, I didn't know she'd gone to where I wanted her to go. Yeah. Uh, she did it. Um, she went to the point of extreme for me. She actually hired a boat, fell out the boat. <laughs> <laughs> Got Filmed in the rain. Yeah, she sent me photos. I guess where I've been today, she was drenched, absolutely drenched. Thank heavens it was a fine day, but it was still wintertime. Oh, yeah. You know, so, it was, so it was cold. The wind was cold. Um, yeah, she went to extremes for this movie for me. Uh, she actually, it's the first time she's done anything like this. Normally oh, it's wow. Like, yeah, so it's the first time we've, she's collaborated on a movie. So it was just... Um, she told me where she'd went, 
Mm. And I thought, oh, um, that's a dog beach. So I went <laughs> around there. Yeah, I went around there myself. Um, I thought, I'm going to experience what Sally's been through. So I packed a thermos and a couple of sticky buttons and a hubby and I, and away we went for a picnic. Um, I wouldn't, it was scary. I would not, I wouldn't yeah. sit there. It was scary. The waves were like coming right up to you. We, we oh, actually got into a cave. We got into a cave there. And it's only a very shallow cave. Yeah. And uh, I said to my husband, I'm not comfortable. Yeah, so uh, Sally did all that for me. Whether she was comfortable or not, she mm. did that for me. And I thought, wow, you're very dedicated to your profession because uh, yeah. she wanted the best. And, okay, um, it costs money. I, I, you, can't tell, you can't tell the listeners it didn't because it did cost money. Yeah. But it wasn't a lot of money. That, that's what amazed me. It wasn't a lot of money. You know, I was thinking zillions when mm-hmm. I asked her. And when I when she came around for our first meeting, I was sitting there with bated breath thinking she's she's going to to ask for an awful lot of money. So when she actually gave me the invoice, it was like, oh, my goodness. Mm-hmm. You've done all that work. And that was a lot of work that she actually wasn't. She did it because... I'm local. My publisher's local. She's. We all live just around the corner. I mean, we all live in different directions around the corner from each other. Rockingham's quite a small little city, and so um, yeah, it's just. I really appreciated the effort and the work that she put into it. Um, it was. You didn't have to do all that, mm. but I wanted to because it was the first time for both of us that she collaborated with another author. Uh, she felt the trust that I gave her was immense. Yes. Um, and I felt that it was, I wasn't saying goodbye. In the end, I felt like I wasn't saying goodbye to a baby. I was watching my book be promoted to beyond life. all, everywhere. Yeah. yeah. It's a very special thing. And I, I have to say that um, I, I learned so much just talking to you about the process over time and, and what happened and learning how it gets adapted from the words you wrote to a screenplay, learning that there's a, a, a music run sheet that goes with the movie, like all of those elements. I didn't realize, like I knew that to produce big budget movies there's a lot that goes into it but the amount of work that Sally put into the creation of your um mini movie was um immense and I I myself can't wait to see it either so since we're talking about um authors and and authors work and what it can lead to I thought we'd have a discussion around your publisher and both of us know the lovely Karen McDermott who has three publishing houses, MMH Press, uh, KMD or KDM Books? KMD. KMD Books and Serenity Press. And underneath her Serenity Press uh, label sits uh, Sarah Ferguson and and her books. And so... um, I found it incredibly interesting, the diverseness of books and authors. So you can write anything from children's books of all different genres to teen, to adult, to sci-fi, to paranormal, to romance. There's immense scope and the world is uh, a hungry place for books and authors, isn't it, Kez? It is. Mm -hmm. The thing is with our lovely Karen is um, she's a busy bee. (laughs) And so when you approach Karen 
about a book. Mm-hmm. Uh, she'll she has a, a team that will do what I do, read the book, um, and mm-hmm. and put it into the correct publishing house. Now she has, I think she has four actually. I think there's oh. one called White House as well. But I'm not I'm not too sure about that, but I have seen it pop up a couple of times, and someone will say to me. When you edit my book, I'm working for Lighthouse, and I thought, "Who? I've never heard of Lighthouse. Who's that?" And I'll say, "It's to do. It's something to do with Karen." So, um, yes. but you know, Karen is um, a young mum. Her yes. wisdom about the um, the writing world is amazing, absolutely amazing. Uh, she's she's not one to hold back. When she's made up her mind, she's made up her mind. I've just signed another three book contract with her. I was um, just—that was my next question, Kez, to talk about what that that looks like for you. But before we before we do, we also need to mention that Karen is an author in her own right, isn't she? She's got thirty books. Yes, so yeah. that's a phenomenal catalog yeah. in her own right, outside mm. of all the published books. Um, mm. I know that she was excitedly telling me yesterday afternoon that her goal this year is to sell um, a million books. Sure. Um, and I, and as I know, as uh, Kez knows, Karen and I will be doing some work together, so helping her achieve that million book uh, turnover. But what an impact to leave on the world, Kez. It is, but... You know, you can't forget that that with every great person, there's small people helping her up that ladder as well. Absolutely. So every time we put a book every out. Every single author, every single author that works right. with Karen yeah. helps create that impact that, that she wants to create. So that impact. Karen also does some really unusual stuff with her publishing. Um and that's why I do the book reviews. And it's a voluntary yeah. situation. I don't yeah. get anything for that. But because I love what I do, everybody needs a hand up sometimes. Everybody needs to show off their work. Mm. I think you're what it is. Everybody needs to take pride in what they do, whether it's art or writing or whatever. Mm. And that's my way of showing the world that I care. Karen's way is when you present a book to her, uh, she will find out what genre, hand it on. Uh, to her team of workers. Now, I'm surmising here because I don't actually work inside Karen's shop or factory or whatever she's got no, going. But, no, but you know I what happens at the end result, hey? I do, yeah. Um, so I'll tell you about the very first book I wrote with Karen, yes. and that was called Metal Mermaid. Now, Metal Mermaid was a book that had been sitting, hanging around my house for a long, long time. And I thought, <laughs> no, I met Karen for a coffee and we agreed. Yes. Yeah. So, okay, let's, the contract came through three books. And I had three books, one written, one half written, and one with an introduction. That was it. <laughs> the first book I gave Karen, she said to me, this is huge. It was um, 450 pages. Yeah. And I went, is there something wrong with that? And she went, well, no, but you may have to make it into two books. Oh. And I thought, I don't want two books. <clears throat> Karen will listen to you. Mm-hmm. That's the big thing. She mm-hmm. listens. Yeah. So I, um, the book, I gave the book to her. I sent it through. Now, 
maybe it's because we live locally. I, I really don't know. But uh, about three months later, I hadn't heard a word. I'd seen her online and how's the book going? La, la, la. Oh, it's all good. Don't worry. Mm. Not stressing. I got on with the next one. I was still writing the following one. Mm. And um, she knocks on my door at 7 o'clock one night mm. and hands me the proof copy. You, can not, you, you can't imagine. Wow. Uh, not many publishers will do that. Yeah. It's sent to you. Mm. I was, I looked at, I had agreed on the cover. I was over the moon in love with the cover already. Mm. But just holding that book in my hand, knowing that I was with such um, a huge uh, presence online mm. and that she was going to make it well known that mm. I was a writer with yeah. MMH. She goes to the extent of um, of letting the world know. Mm. So she interviews you and then I'll interview you and then, mm. you know, I'll put it to you and you'll interview her. So it's, you know, it's a case of, oh, I've got a new author, la, 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 do you want to re- uh, interview her? And I'll say, yeah. sure. So I'll do the book. I mean, I won't interview the author, I'll do the book. And then I will work, you know, I'll try and, I'll say to her, well, look, I'm a co-host. So that's the way it works. Um, I'm yes. finding Karen more and more um, in the digital world to get herself out there, as we all are now. Yes. yes. Ourselves out. Yeah. Um, she is a rarity in today's mm-hmm. busy publishing world mm-hmm. because she takes a personal mm-hmm. interest in all her authors. She'll mm-hmm. communicate. It's not. It's not a publishing house where... Like um, the other ones I have been with, they're just too busy. There's no, there's no personal contact. You know, Karen has often uh, driven up outside my house, knocked on the door, and said, "Here's some books to review." So she takes yeah, <laughs> more <gorgeous>. books. <laughs> so she's, yeah, she's. Um, that's the one thing about Karen. Whether she was a, a publisher or a nurse at the hospital, yeah. she actually takes that interest in personal interest. And how you are, how are you feeling? Yeah. Uh, her her attitude in life is one of a senior woman. We've yeah. all learned that there is nothing better than just saying how are you, yeah. and having a, a listening ear. Um, and I I honestly think she's an old soul. She really is. She's an yeah. She 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 does all the right things. Mm. And you know when your book isn't as successful is what you think you should be, mm. then um, she's the one to turn around and say, well, what did you expect? You're a new, you know, she would explain it all to you. Yeah. And, you know, she said to me, with my second book, well, you're out there now, let's do something yeah. with it. Yeah. So we did. And then with Scribe, she, I didn't, didn't tell her about the movie yeah. until it was all signed and sealed. Yes. <laughs> it was at the book launch, and her face was amazing because I introduced yes. her to Sally, yes. and it was like, "You're what?" <laughs> <laughs> it was amazing. And she, so, gets, she gets really excited for your success. That's the thing about Karen that that mm. that she's, and I guess that's us. That's where we share a synergy is we both get excited about other people's success. Exactly. That lights us up. Like whenever Kez rings me and says, this is happening or this is happening. And when Kez rang and said, I've got the next three book publishing deal, I'm like, yes. 
Like there's something really special about celebrating other people's success and being part of their successful energy. And, of course, because you've got an amazing portfolio yourself now. So um, I bought your books for um, my sister for, for Christmas. She hasn't given them back yet, so I'm assuming that – she loves them, so I can't wait for the next lot <laughs> so I can give them to her. And that's the thing, isn't it, Kez, that you've got to start somewhere and it's pretty rare to get that instant stardom and success that everyone dreams of, but uh, you can achieve that over the course of a number of books and it's no less as sweet, is it? So if it happens instantly, that's amazing and phenomenal. But for many of us, it's over the course of a lifetime of a whole sequence of books that's and right. suddenly you get towards the end and go, oh, my God, Keswick and St. George is putting out a new book. I've got to get it, which is how I see your authorship happening because the books are just beautiful in their own right. They're so mm. well written and that's Again, you have to put yourself out there, and I know for you, Kez, that you do that all the time, but in just the loveliest way. Thank you. <laughs> I, I'm amazed at ever, this past, the new year, this new year, yeah. I open up my yeah. email box and I get, will you look at my book? Will you, into, you, know, will you review my book? When you edit my book, because I do that as well. I do a soft edit mm. and a soft um, proofread for them. So I'm amazed. Um, and I said to my husband just this morning, I think I'll retire. This is much too much for you. <laughs> I'm stuck in my office nonstop. Um, when I was an artist, I would get outside a lot, get outside yeah. and, and do some work. Uh, so now we have to, after the show actually, Hubby and mm. I are having a, a meeting about how I can get out more. You know, I have a, I have lots and lots of uh, meetings to attend where people yes. um, are showing me their work, whether it be mm. art mm. or a book. And, and what I say to them all, Tony, is yeah. I might be able to do one show about you, but that's it. Yeah, the, you've got to leverage what, what, yourself. Yeah, you do. You have to get out there. And... Provide yourself with a platform. You know, when I first started doing book reviews, it was like, oh, maybe one or two. But now it's like, I, did, I actually didn't do one yesterday. I had my booster shot and I was very unwell. Oh, yes. Yeah. But yes. everything, even, even, even my nose ached. It was just sore. So I took a day off and didn't do a, a book review thinking, oh, no one will miss me. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> yeah, it's where are you? Yes. <laughs> yeah, are you? where are you? What are you doing? Um, you said you would read my book, and I went, oh, my goodness. You know, so it was like I had 15 phone calls, are you okay? That's what um, having a large presence does. Yeah. You know, and it's not as if, um, oh, I'm going to be famous and, and create magic. It's no, not. No, it's what I do, what I do is I show you off. Yeah. And that's what you do. You show yeah. the author art. That's, what, that's what we do. And that's what we get great pleasure out of. Great pleasure. It's it, There's an immense pleasure in talking to other people about their, their journey and, and particularly for artists. Um, it, there's a lot of 
authors, there's a lot of artists, and it is it can be challenging to get that level of, of traction. If we go back to um, talking about your book reviews, um, and I, I don't think I've asked you this live on air before, but you're a speed reader, aren't you, Kez? Yes, I am. Yeah, so I am a speed reader as well. So if some, and I am starting to get people sending me books as well. And my immediate response is, there's just no way I can read this many books and do the rest of the stuff. So I have to speed read. So um, it's an incredibly valuable tool to get the general gist of the flow and the story behind a book um and that's the only way that you could do your book reviews isn't it kez because you get sent books all the time and because what i do is a little bit unusual and i guess because of um my as a teacher uh most of my life i've taught Mm. so i found nothing greater in my classrooms than to get my students to do a show and tell. Mm-hmm. Now, my last teaching school was um, it was English as a second language to mm-hmm. 30 Japanese students who did not speak English very well. And so mm-hmm. the way to put it across to their audience or to each other, because we used to have like a general, um, we used to bring their, their families in once a week for an interview, see how they were getting on and how they were coping with our strange Australian slang and our different habits and hobbies. It's very yes. confusing to them. Um, and we'd have a show and tell. And that really worked. It really worked. So when I started doing book reviews, I thought, we're not going to do the normal one. Like I'm going to read it on on um, Amazon or ebook or whatever. I don't like that. I like to hold yeah. the book in my hand and then show the you public, do. I've got a book and this is a fabulous book. Uh, but that's the way I've grown uh, my little group of people that Niche. come on regularly is because they like, first of all, they like to see their book and yeah. then they like to see what I what I have to say about it. Um, and sometimes sometimes the first thing I look at is the cover, mm. then the blurb, which is the back of the book, they mm. commonly known as the blurb. And sometimes the blurb gives you everything you need to know about that book, if you're lucky. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's all I have to do is is take some mm. notes. I have sticky notes all over my screen. You know, I know what I'm talking about. You know, I know where to refer to. Uh, but the last book I did was a um, children's book yes. uh, from a lady in Margaret River. And the young artist now, I edited her book. I actually was her mentor. Her, um, she said to me, the artistry that I want is too expensive. And I said, why? Um, if you want to illustrate your book, you have to think of these things. I said, but I do understand. You know, in today's climate, everything's expensive. Even a glass of water is expensive. So go to your local college and get a young artist. She did. The artistry was amazing, amazing. Wow. And so this young lady uh, got half the proceeds of the book, so I understand. And that's the way we have to do it these days. Our young ones are coming up that ladder right behind us. They're going to be our leaders in 10, 20 years. Mm-hmm. So why not encourage them mm-hmm. to do what they do best? Yeah. You know, for all I know, that young artist may be the next um, Prime Minister of Australia, but she had my author encourage her to do some art. Isn't that wonderful? 
And that's the way I see the world, Tony. Let's encourage. Let's be kind. Let's hold a hand out. Let's. um, We don't have to. The way I see it is we don't have to charge megabucks to illustrate a book when you know that your name's going to be out there. It's going to go worldwide. Um, I did a review on it. She's coming on your show. Um, The the opportunities for the author is amazing, but she's taking the artist with her. That's amazing. Absolutely, because the other point here is that, you know, uh, you can't actually just sit back and think that your book is going to be a bestseller without promotion without putting yourself out there and without doing the hard work that sits behind so it's hard to write a book there there's lots of uh, processes and, and things that you have to go through to get or birth a book but that doesn't stop once you've got the book in your hand that's when the real hard work because you have to promote yourself and you have to talk about your book you have to get it out there you have to talk to people like Kez and I because that increase, increases the population interest in what you're writing about. Mm, because I was curious, um, what happens when you get a book that is not great? And I don't expect you to mention names or anything like that, but no. how do you manage that? Because you're actually... I've had, I've had, a, I've had books like that. Okay. So my first book yes. um, was for the... And I put my heart and soul into it while I was in New Zealand. I was living in New Zealand and it was for the New Zealand government on how to keep yourself motivated when you're not employed. Uh Uh-huh. That was a long time ago. I won't name numbers, but a long time ago. (laughs) And uh, I present, I spent so much time. I created myself a logo. I created myself a as a genre that I wanted to sit in, as a mentor and a teacher. I created this, I think it was a 300-page book. Um, I even got a printer. I didn't involve the college at all uh, that I was working for, and they asked me to do this. So what I did was I just kept it to myself, went to work every day, smiled, nodded, go home, and I would write. When I present told them the book was ready they had a little morning tea for me and they had taken the book off me um to present it at the morning tea and it wasn't my book no they changed the cover they changed the logo and they also said to me oh we went through it with a fine tooth comb we've changed quite a few of the contacts you've used and we've changed this and that and this and that and i felt like a complete it was there but they didn't like what I presented. So they had a morning tea going and I was invited as the author. But they didn't tell you they'd made all these changes. Oh, guess. No. Oh, my so God. So I'm standing there with a cup of tea and a, and, and a piece of cake thinking, oh, I Yay. Yeah, published. And they said, well, sort of. <laughs> And my heart was in my boots. Oh, so can you sort of publish something? Oh. So I got the book, my original book, which I had, and I went to my publisher. I went to my, sorry, my, my printer who had done everything for me. 
And I have, of course, then my, the people that I were in my group were all teachers. Mm. So I sent the book out to them. Yeah. And I'm quite pleased to say it's still being used. But that, that moment in time was I'm a failure. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Big time. Yeah. Now, if anybody's ever been in those shoes, no, you're not. Mm. It's someone else's decision, not yours. And that's yeah. the way you have to look on it. It's yeah. someone else's um, point of view that doesn't quite agree with yours. Mm. There were some things in the book that I had written. Um, but most of it was factual. Um, I like to quote Zig Ziglar, and he was a very good man in those days. Yeah. And so I a lot of quotes from him to uplift, just to uplift people that were reading it. So the students that were reading it, um, they actually said to me, can we read your book? Because they knew what went on. They're not silly. Yeah. So it went back to Japan. So there you go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I don't, when you get, um, when you send away the habit, things that have changed with publishing houses, you still have your traditional ones that will say, yes, we'll publish your book and there's there's maybe 500 to carry on with. Um, mm. You know, we're talking about the days of Dickens when they used to get amazing amounts of money for them yeah. in those days. Those days are longer. Yeah, no. So in today's um, publishing, you pay for everything and you expect your publisher to do the work. Uh, I've heard of publishers dropping the ball recently, um, yeah. just dropping the ball. And people that I've, I've actually uh, done, uh, mentored them through their book. Yeah. And it's like, what's happened? Mm. Okay. And the, you can, they hand me the book with tears in their eyes. It didn't work. Yes, yeah. it done. It's going to work because we're going to go about it a different way. You've got to publish a book. Let's make it look good. Um, mm. And I've often said, I've often reached out, reached out to Karen. What can I do with this? How do I? Mm. And she's advised me. Yeah. She's a wealth of advice, that, that woman she really is, in the publishing world. Mm. Um, and also I have uh, going to Crom Castle, uh, which mm. you will be doing very, very soon. Um, I made an amazing amount of writing friends. Mm. and I can reach out to them at any time and say, I've got a bit of a difficulty going on here. What's your thoughts? And so once you um, start mixing in the writing world, writing becomes a lot easier for you. It does become a lot easier. You don't have to write a bestseller for your first book. No. That was my my bestseller was my fourth book. Yeah. But Karen made that happen. Yeah. He said to me, what's your dream wish? I said, a bestseller. She said, done. And that was it. I don't know how she did it. I don't okay. want to know how she did it. But I got a bestseller out of it. And um, the next book, the next book I'm writing, which is called Jigsaw. Um, yeah. Another three books. <laughs> I love writing yes. about people's emotions. I love writing about how people react. You know, yeah. so at the moment, it's a very, very mixed up story about two very different people and the, how they bring other people into their lives. That's another story. Yeah, yeah. Because it looks like um, the lovely Karen is joining us for the last uh 10 or 12 minutes of the show so mm-hmm. as soon as she connects while she's connects 
now I've got tongue tied. Whilst Karen is connecting, we will do the intro. So uh, Karen's unfortunately had some technical issues today, and so we only got her for a short time, but I'll quickly introduce the lovely Karen Connell. Now, she was born in Los Angeles, California, raised in a desert community of Newbury Springs, and Karen returned to the city for college. She attended UCLA, majoring in economics and minoring in history, and she survived severe domestic violence and used her experience to become an award-winning speaker as a community educator. She has numerous local and national TV appearances speaking about her harrowing experience and using her platform to speak out against domestic violence. She has she went on to lobby with the Coalition of Advocates for the first domestic violence training law in California, serving along with other advocates and law enforcement officials on the State Attorney General's task force to create a new law enforcing a uh, new law enforcement training manual that then trained the LAPD. She's also served on Los Angeles Domestic Violence Council. Uh, She was recruited to create a domestic violence advocate program in Los Angeles City Attorney's Office, which now has a special unit devoted to domestic violence. She's a Reiki master, a certified hypnotist, therapist with a master's in therapeutic imagery and EFT, that's Emotional Freedom Technique Practitioner, and her book is called Go Beyond Surviving. It's her debut book and it's been 40 years in the making and it's about one woman's path surviving domestic violence, giving back to the domestic violence community and learning how to use the power of choice to transform yourself and it includes many of the life lessons and resources that help others and pays it for. Good morning and welcome to the show, Karen. Oh no, have we lost Karen already? <laughs> no. Hello. Hi. Welcome How are to you? We're good, my lovely. Now, I must explain to the audience that Karen, as a result of Karen's domestic violence, she has a hoarse voice. And I'm going to hand over to Kez to start the interview and just listen carefully um, as Karen starts to tell her story. Over to you, Kez. Good morning, Karen. Good morning, Kez. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. Um, when I got your papers, I read a, uh, I read something that really interested me about you, and it's your. How can I put this? It's it says no matter what life may throw your way, never underestimate your ability to conquer defeat of any kind. That's an amazing thing to have in the back of your mind, so you can be who you are. Can you explain to the audience uh, why that's your byline? I think that it's the only way to live. I mean, otherwise people run around cowering all the yeah. time. So to me, it's it's just what the right way to live is. Exactly. That's I mean, a beautiful thought. Why, why not take what you've learned and... Pay it forward, share it with others so that maybe they can avoid having to go through it. Absolutely. Mm, I agree. Karen, your 
domestic violence situation um, resulted directly in your physical um, ailments around your voice. Can you just briefly and quickly share with the audience um, how that happened and then your journey out the other side? Because I think it's important for people to understand that there is a way out the other side. Oh, absolutely. There's always a way if you just open yourself up to find it or allow it to find you, whichever way works for you. Um, My ex-husband, when we were separated, uh, was over visiting for the weekend so he could spend time with our son. And he slashed my throat with a butcher knife. Uh, My then six-year-old son came in and saw what was happening and jumped on his dad's back and started pounding on him to get off. You know, you're hurting my mom. Get off of her. Look at all that blood. And as it turned out, um, my vocal cords were totally severed. Wow. And put back together surgically. And my carotid artery was severed on both sides. My windpipe was severed. Oh I was literally breathing through the gap in my neck. But my guardians were watching over me. Yes. I, I got out of the house. I walked down the alley. Oh, my God. Don't know how I did that, but I did. And when I finally passed out from loss of blood, the man who found me was the head of emergency oh, at a local large hospital. And he and his wife had been planning on going out at about 20 minutes before he found me. For no particular reason, they just decided to stay home. So I don't believe in coincidence. I believe that that was orchestrated Oh yes. so that he was there to find me. And that man came and visited me in the hospital every day. Oh, Karen. I was blessed. I really yeah. was. Now, I'm horrified. I'm absolutely horrified. I, I know. Uh, but guess what? It was what? horrifying. But... Not so much to me. We get to have you in this world because of that horrible situation. We get to read about what you've created from your life after that horrendous experience. Karen, did they put him in jail? Um, When the police finally broke into the place... He had locked himself in the bathroom and killed himself. And 
Well, that in itself was great for me. Unfortunately, my six-year-old son and his friend who was spending the weekend with us heard everything that was going on. And my son told me later, he said, we knew what was going on. We knew he was killing himself. Mm. Now, what six-year-old should have to grow up? Oh, yes, yes. Knowing that sort of thing. And it severely impacted his life. I bet it did. He never, he was never okay. right. Yeah. No, he was never okay. He never got over it. Oh, Karen. Can you I honestly, me? I'm speechless. Uh, yeah. I understand. I get that a lot. <laughs> Fortunately, <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> yes, you can still speak to us, Karen. I am guessing that that is the story behind why it took so long to write your book. Well, no, that isn't really all of the why. The why is at the time that this happened and I was doing a lot of public speaking. People were encouraging me to write a book and I thought, I don't have enough to write a book. There's it isn't at an end yet, but since it's been forty years and I went through an entire different um, job role because of it, and then went back to doing bookkeeping and accounting. Um. My son is, my son was grown, he has since passed. Yeah. Which was hard for me. Mm. Um, but I have two beautiful grandchildren. And this past Wednesday, my granddaughter called and told me she just got engaged. So, uh. yay! Yay! <laughs> yeah. See, there's always a light at the end of the tunnel. There is. Yes, there is. Now, you do a lot. Part of the reason that you wanted to write a book was about giving back to the domestic violence community. Karen, what what are you still involved with in the domestic violence community and why is that so important to you? I'm not technically involved. I'm always kind of there on the outskirts and available. Um, I'm still friends with some of the women that I did work with in collaboration with uh, back in the 80s. Yes. And with with the COVID and everything, I decided it was the perfect time to sit down and take the time to write this book because the only crime that increased during COVID was domestic Mm. violence. Yes. Yes. And in fact, the statistic is worse now than it was 
when I was working with it in the 80s. Which is so sad. It's Mm. terribly sad. And I think, but there's there's another light. There are now um, men's organizations out there. Mm -hmm. And all of this is in my book. There There are men's organizations out there that work with men to teach them the positive side of their masculinity that they don't have to rely on brute force. Um, And there are so many more uh, available resources to women and children that are there so that I'm hoping that when people read this, they hang on to the resources. And I doubt if there are that many people out there whose lives have not been touched in some way by domestic violence. And so they can pass these resources on. And when, when a woman says to them, if they're close and they're talking and she says, I can't leave. I can't take them, my children yes. away from their father. <laughs> it's a horrible way for children to grow up. It is. Because children grow up believing that that is the norm. Yes. And it's not. And not it's not. It doesn't have to be. Or I don't think I can make it financially without my husband. Mm-hmm. There are so many organizations out there who are there to help women get started again. Yes. So, you know, it just, it's, the the subtitle to my book is Take Back Your Life Using the Power of Choice. Yes. The power of choice is the strongest power that we have as humans. Absolutely. And when you're stuck in a situation like that, you don't feel like you have a choice. You feel like circumstances are just sweeping you along and you're battling to survive on a daily basis. So I want everyone to know that they've got a choice. They can change their lives by changing their choices. We've all made good ones. We've all made some that weren't quite so good. But we can all change them. Mm. Absolutely. Karen, I'm so sorry to cut you off, my lovely. We are completely out of time. We have 30 seconds left. Can you please tell us where people can connect with you? Is your website the best place to do that? No, because my website is still under construction. Yes. Because my book is not published yet. Yes, I know. It's under. (laughs) under, Everything is under under construction, construction. my dear. (laughs) For the audience listening, we have the link to Karen's email. Yes. And you can read it to them, right? Absolutely. It's okay. C it's K C O N N at SBC Global dot net. 
And that email will also appear in all of the show notes wherever you're watching this show today. If you don't catch that email, please reach out to Kez or myself and we can put you in touch with Karen. If you jump onto TonyLontis.com under the guest section of our website are details and connections for Karen. Karen, thank you so much. I'm so sorry that we didn't have very much time with you. We are, Kez and I, both incredibly gracious and grateful for your time on the show today. And unfortunately, we have to get off now. Karen, thank you so much. Kez, what a delight to have you on the show again. That is your lot for this week. We will be back next week with another author and artist hour. Karen Connell, thank you so much for bravely telling your story. Much love to you. And that, my friends, is your lot for this week. Bye for now. Bye-bye. I thought it was for tomorrow. I look crappy to be on television. I'm so grateful that you've come on the show today to tell us about this process because we must tell these stories. We must.